everyone, and welcome to Minute 62 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action movie Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Andrea Loaf, author of a published academic article on Die Hard called John McClane's Origin Story, Understanding Die Hard as Film Adaptation of Roderick Thorpe's Nothing Lasts Forever, which you can find in the International Journal of Literary Humanities. Welcome back to the show, Andrea. Thanks for having me. And you got it all out, those so those all those long titles. You did it so perfectly. Well, I, I, I wasn't doing it by heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. I, I was reading it, but that's fine. That's I, fine. Th thankfully, my my reading skills, you know, uh, work. You know, uh, what, uh, <laughs> you know, back when back in the eighties, the whole thing goes uh, riff. Reading is fundamental, right? So, oh. <laughs> I I wasn't part of the program, but uh, it's still it's still stuck with me. What can I say? <laughs> so, minute sixty two begins with Sam thinking of a solution, and ends with Hans playing with his walkie-talkie. So yesterday we ended things with uh, Thornburg in the uh, the newsroom, you know, uh, trying to bug his producer, Sam, to, to get him to, to give him one of the trucks for him to go out and, uh, you know, check out and, and see what's going on in Nakatomi. And he didn't want to let him go do it. And then basically... He started saying that, uh, you know, there's another reporter named Simon that's at a Santa sing-along. And he says, I'll tell him to swing on by. And at this point, uh, Thornburg says to him, I'm not sitting on this for Simon. And then Sam goes, I don't want to hear it. And then Thornburg says, this is my story. <laughs> and then he goes, I can't hear you. All right, look, Sam, I'll tell you what. You don't want to give me a truck? I'll go out and I'll steal a truck. And then uh, we get an interjection from the newsroom itself, where we have the Harvey and Gail. Harvey, right? We have the the the, the newscaster mm -hmm. Harvey saying, "Give us a break, Thornburg," and he responds, "Eat it, Harvey." <laughs> and then we have the, the the cameraman turning towards Harvey and says, four, three, two, one. And then there's silence for a few seconds, and for and then he goes, "Harvey, we're on the air." And then he goes, <laughs> "Good evening." This is Harvey Johnson, and I'm Gail Wallens, and this is yeah. Nightline News at 10. Our top stories on this Christmas Eve, the high tide by the Southland Shores. We, we go live for a report in Malibu. Mm -hmm. And at this point, Sam just turns over to Thornburg and says, take truck number five and get out of here. Yeah. Because so, he's I'm, obviously distracting Harvey. Yeah, completely. You know, that, I mean, that's part of it. But uh, I mean, I I I really like the the, the way the scene plays out. You know, mm -hmm. it's 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 a fun little banter to show. You know that that the antagonism in the newsroom. You know, between Harvey and and Dick. You know, they mm -hmm. they apparently don't like each other. But I mean, yesterday we heard Sam. You know, uh, try to. You know, he he told Harvey, you know, keep your pants on. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, I guess it's the idea that you know, need to deal with the talent, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, that's exactly you know, what You, you need to coddle the ta talent in some ways, <laughs> you know, but, but, but by saying keep your pants on, I don't know. I mean, it, it reminds <laughs> me of, of the movie Broadcast News. Have you ever seen that? I have not. Okay, with uh, William Hurt and uh, Holly Hunter. 
so they have a lot of this type of banter you know the, you see the things that happen uh mm-hmm. in in the the back of of uh, the newsroom i mean i i remember when i was in uh college so one of my courses was a journalism course where the teacher mm-hmm. took me a few times to uh, a newsroom where i was watching mm-hmm. stuff going on and i always found it really funny because like the you know the 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 newscaster would come in in shorts and he but he'd be wearing <laughs> like a jacket because you don't see yeah. his, you don't see his legs under the you know under the table so it's like yeah. little behind the scenes things that you don't normally see so this is what they're doing here also you know the the, the way that the whole thing you know just uh you know and and they they just do a a, a nice job of keeping this conversation going and keeping it interesting at the same mm-hmm. time you know so i mean one of the things that 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 stuck out for me was the fact that you know he says he's going to steal a truck which is just yeah, really funny. So dramatic. Think, no, but like, can he just, I mean, it's funny. Doesn't he just, can you just take the truck? You know, forget yeah, about getting where, permission. Where are the keys kept for these trucks? Exactly. You know, it's not like Sam has to give him the keys. You know, they probably have a, a fleet of, let's say, five or ten trucks that are sitting outside. You know, you just mm-hmm. go and you take one. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe because it's, you know, 10 p.m. on Christmas Eve. I don't know. Yeah. No idea. But the fact that he says he's going to steal a, a, a steal the truck. So I, I went and did a little bit of research as to, mm-hmm. you know, the, the number of uh, car thefts in L.A. <laughs> in 1988. And oh. I, I came across an article uh, from the L.A. Times written by someone named uh, Michael Connolly, which this article came out on July 17th, 1988. And mm. Die Hard debuted, I believe, on the 15th, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. it's very timely from that perspective. So I'm not, yeah. obviously I'm not going to read this whole article, but but what they talk about here is is that they say that there are 51 cars a day that disappear from the 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 valley streets, from valley streets parking lots or driveways. Okay, wow. which was which was up 42 percent from two years earlier. Okay, they said that there there are three different reasons that these cars are being stolen, or they're they're being stolen by three three different types of people for different reasons. What what would you think mm-hmm. there would be? Any any clue? Well, for parts. Okay, know, that's one the of them. Parts. Car strippers, yes. Um, if they were fancier cars, I could see like reselling. Okay, professional theft rings. There you go. That's the second one. Mm-hmm. And what do you think the third one would be? Convenience. Needing, uh, no. needing to get somewhere. No, oh, but, well, know. sort of. It's it's for joyriding. Yeah. You know, juveniles oh, that would yeah. steal cars for joyriding. Okay. okay. They say that 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 nine out of ten times the these cars are recovered, but they've mostly been uh, damaged or stripped, which uh, mm-hmm. you know makes it a little more difficult. And uh, according to to the stats here, in the first six months of 1988, there were 9,108 cars that were stolen in the valley. Wow. Which is a very high number, but just wait, that mm-hmm. number gets even higher. <laughs> oh. So according to the statistics that they have here also, the year before, in 1987, there were 15,912 cars stolen in 1987. Okay. And hmm. part, part of the problem was, is that uh, how many arrests were made of those almost 16,000, uh, only uh, not even 2,000 arrests, mm, okay? Yeah. So, you know, the, uh, 
I guess part of the thing is because they get most, they find most of the cars, so they they weren't uh, you know trying to 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 arrest people for it because they're they're probably mostly larger rings. You know, you have a, you know mm-hmm. large groups that are doing it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you look at it today, okay. So if we said that in 1988 there were 50, almost 16,000 cars stolen, how many cars do you think are stolen a year now? In LA County, oh, fifty thousand. I'm just going super right, high. No, you went you went high. super high. You went super high, but the the answer is around forty thousand. So approximately forty thousand okay. cars. Okay. But that's still an amazingly high number. That's just yeah. Unbelievable. I was just thinking of the population of the area. Right. You know, millions of people. Okay. Right, and they and uh, this article says this is obviously a different article because. It, the other article was from 1988. This article actually says that during COVID, there was a 40% increase of car thefts because most hmm. people because most people knew that people weren't home or people don't need their people yeah, yeah, aren't yeah. using their cars. You know, they're in their home. Yeah, yeah. Some people probably didn't see their cars for months. Yeah, and not without. <laughs> yeah, just, correct. I was yeah. thinking about that too when you mentioned earlier um, <laughs> the the newscasters wearing shorts underneath and are like, how many of us have been on zoom calls? I was like, well, I'm just sitting here just like, you know, we're our, our own news anchors when you're on a Correct. zoom call or any other video call, mm-hmm. they can't see, <laughs> they can't see the lower half of my body. <laughs> Correct. Which there are people who have been arrested for things like that, but we're, yeah. we won't go there. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I mean, I love Thornburg's uh, great comeback where he just eat, eat at Harvey, which, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't re- it doesn't say much, but he's still able to shock Harvey enough that Harvey loses his train of thought. Mm-hmm. You know, because he really shouldn't have gotten involved in this whole thing. He has no idea what yeah. they're talking about. You yeah. Know, what it, what does like... he hear him say? He says, you don't want to give me a truck. I'll go and steal a truck. You know, yeah, it, he doesn't he doesn't know the entire story about Nakatomi or whatever it is at this point. But he we find know out a whole lot. Well, that we find out later that Harvey isn't the brightest, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, which, which yeah. goes back to what I was talking about with broadcast news. You know, the anchorman, the anchorman man doesn't necessarily need to have the brains. He needs to have the looks. That's what they want. Well, with Ron Burgundy, I think we definitely know that. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So the, the, then we have the, the cameraman who is, you know, counting down for him. Right, and that's it. he's in, it's played by an actor named uh, Bob Jennings, who has 21 movie credits and nine TV credits, and he counts down and then points towards the end. Mm-hmm. So why do you think people do that? What's the point well, of pointing? I think it's it's something you like as you're looking. I mean, you can hear the countdown, but like you, it, it can focus on you like a action, you know. Right. I mean, a lot of times you'll see, and a lot of times you'll see in movies and TV shows and things like that, where they have someone counting down, and at a certain point mm-hmm. they they you know they'll say five, four, and then they won't say the word, they won't say three, two, one. Yeah. They'll just use their finger, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I, I I I looked it up to try and find out why people use hand signals, and it goes close to what you were saying that they want to be able to re- reduce the the noise level on the set. Mm-hmm. Um, because you never want anyone to be uh, noticed for being too loud, because you know he's counting down, and what if it goes live uh, a second early or whatever? You'll hear someone mm-hmm. say one or something like that. So therefore, you yes. just use the the hand signals. 
in order to to do that. You know, which which people get used to because they're they're supposed to be looking at them, not looking at mm-hmm. Thornburg on the side who just mm-hmm. said eat it, Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love how he, he tries to, you know, uh, reclaim his his spot by you know picking up his papers and like uh, jostling yeah. them a little bit you know like like that's really going to help. feel important. Yeah, exactly. And then he he does his uh, you know his intro and you know his his name is also he's got a very generic um, you know uh, sounding name Harvey Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know this this yeah you know most most uh, news newscasters you hear it, it at least in movies. And TV shows, they have generic sounding names, you know, mm-hmm. even though Gail Wallen's probably isn't as generic sounding, but, but it still no. fits, it still fits with the, the, the whole persona of the whole thing. So yeah, there's some alliteration with the L's there. Yes, correct. So, um, Harvey is played by an actor named David Urson, who was born on the 3rd of February, 1951. He has 19 TV credits and 14 movie credits, including roles in Space Jam, Jerry Maguire, Critters, Critters 2, Bestseller, Real Genius, and Halloween 5, and obviously Die Hard. Now, Gail Wallens is, first of all, her, her, the way she talks, she says it in a very fluffy type of manner also, the way that Mm -hmm. she's, uh, you know, She's talking about it. And and I love the fact that they're talking about the top stories. Their top story is about the high tide in the South Right, stores. There's nothing you know, happening. There's nothing happening. You know, they're not Except talking about this. Nakatomi. That's right. They're not talking about a, a a terrorist attack or anything like that. No, of course not. You know. Um, but one of the things that's good here is it actually establishes that we're now it's 10 p.m. You know, up until now, we're not sure exactly what time it is. I mean, we know yeah. we know that sunset was at 4.50. And John showed up exactly at sunset. So basically, John has now been in the building for five hours. Yeah, that's a long time. And it doesn't feel that way. Playing that cat and mouse game. No, it doesn't. Of course, it doesn't. For us as audience of the film, because the film runs. Well, it's an hour already. We're we're, we're at minute 62. So we've already passed the hour. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're coming up on the halfway mark of the movie. But, you know, Mm -hmm. still, it's an hour of time that... uh, that we see. So Gail Wallens mm-hmm. is played by a very famous actress named uh, Mary Ellen Trainer, who was born on July 8th, 1952, and she passed away on the 20th of May, 2015, at the age of 62, of pancreatic cancer. Okay, oh. she was the ex-wife of Robert Zemeckis. They were married. Oh, wow. from, yeah, they were married from 1980 to, to 2000. They're married for 20 years. Um, she has 29 movie credits, most of them being movies connected to her husband. She was in *Romancing mm-hmm. the Stone*. She was in *Goonies*, *Lethal Weapon*, all four oh. *Lethal Weapons*. She was in *Monster oh. Squad*, *Scrooge*, *Back to the Future 2*, *Firebirds*, *Ricochet*, uh, *Grand Canyon*, *Forrest Gump*, *Congo*, *Executive Decision*, *Death Becomes Her*. And she also has 17 TV credits uh, beyond that. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, she wasn't in any movies after she got divorced from, from Zemeckis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this point, Sam just gets completely frustrated and says, just take the truck. Take truck number five and get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's, as you mentioned earlier, he's just, uh, 
he's concerned that they're going to be disrupting the news too much. You know, so just get mm -hmm. out of here. You know, yeah. That type of thing. And then the the scene switches and we're mm -hmm. we're back and we we hear the 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 bell of of the uh of of the elevator and we see Carl running across the the way uh and along with Franco and Fritz and it, it's pretty funny that they're running that they're they're running to go you know past the hostages you know in order yeah. to go, you know I, I'm not really sure and they they you know they get into Holly's office where everyone is where Hans is mm -hmm. and Carl then says he wasn't lying about Marco. He's down on the street. And the other man was Heinrich. And his bag is missing. But he had the detonators. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I love the exposition here. It's, it's First of all, it's telling us uh, for sure who these people were. Yeah, we get more names. You know, now we know it's Marco. Now we know it's Heinrich. You know, mm -hmm. And we know that he had his bag filled with detonators. We don't know the purpose, mm -hmm. but we know that that's what it is. You know, yeah. Hans is very shocked by this type of report. Yeah. You know, and he's he's trying to figure out how he should be reacting with the whole thing. And as the minute ends, he picks up his his radio and types in the code. And that's pretty much how the whole thing, uh, you know, how this mm -hmm. minute ends. So I, I, I found that to be quite, quite interesting, the way that they, you know, the, the cut here. It's a, it's a good cut for us, you know, between minutes. Yeah. So the way that this... Uh, you know, plays out before he says his next lines into the walkie-talkie as he's going through. So mm -hmm. is there anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? I just love how Alan Rickman kind of lingers on the word detonators, like, but he had the detonators. Right. Like, just... <laughs> Correct. It kind of adds the importance of them, even though we don't know why. Or yet. maybe he's asking a question, but he had the detonators, didn't he? You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't he the henchman that we gave the detonators to? Yeah. <laughs> you know, is that what was written in the script? All those henchmen that keep dying. Yeah. Exactly. Well, they're up to three now, you know, so well. who knows? All right. Okay. So the, the script actually has a few different discrepancies. Yesterday, I, I failed to mention that the whole newsroom scene is not in the script. So, oh. so everything, oh. everything that happens here between Harvey and Thornburg that that we continued mm -hmm. into and Sam that continues into this this minute that started yesterday, it wasn't even in the script. It's just completely huh. cut out. I I thought maybe it's like at a different point, and I went through the entire script and I couldn't find it anywhere else. You know, maybe I'll wow. come across it a little bit later, but I don't think so because I think next week Thornburg already shows up at Nakatomi. So yeah. it's very strange the way that they just decided to add this little scene in there. Uh, I guess yeah. to show the antagonism between Harvey and and uh, Thornburg. Yeah, to kind of show how he is at his place of work. Yeah, yeah, and uh, a few other discrepancies here. It says that uh, it, it, it's funny that it, in, in the description of what happens with Carl, it says Carl steps off the elevator, but we see them running off the running from the elevator. Mm -hmm. You know, which again, I, as I mentioned earlier, I don't know why they have to run. I don't, I don't see any urgency. You know, Marco's still going to be dead. Heinrich is still going to be, yeah. dead. you know, the dead yeah. will still be gone also, but you know, the two of them will be, uh, there. and then the, the, the other minor discrepancy was, he says he wasn't lying about Marco. He's 30 stories down on the street, which again, yeah. it's funnier. It's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. But it's also funnier for him to say he's, he's on the street. 
he's down on the street, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and he says the other man is Heinrich, and I found his body upstairs. Mm. So again, not necessary. It's uh, it's yeah. extraneous. I, I like that they cut those out. You know, it just makes mm-hmm. things uh, flow a little bit better than than exactly. So every Tuesday, we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Holiday Edition, where my guests will give a little story, anecdote, uh, fun thing that happened to them some point during their lives, you know, mm-hmm. over over some sort of holiday. So, Andrew, you got uh, any story for us? I, I do, and it's Christmas-related because I am of the opinion that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Even though it came out in July, it's set on Christmas Eve. That's my opinion. Okay. So we'll get We'll get there uh, later in the week. Yeah, and kind of piggybacking on the to grandmother's house we go reference I made yesterday. Uh the my grandma would all, always host Christmas Eve at her house and um I grew up on a farm and her their farm was down the road from us. It was a quick drive. Um even in the snow. And she would always talk about her her childhood and her experience with Santa Claus. She called him Santa Claus. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> she had this story that had me convinced from a child to like, that's probably why I, I believed in Santa Claus for so long is she had this very convincing story about seeing Santa Claus like out the window of, of her house growing up. And of course, later when I'm an adult, she um, talks about how it was her uncle dressed up, but like, she my grandma is the best with uh sound effects and just like very much getting animated into her story she's this small little old woman she's in her 90s now but she would talk about how he just like popped up and she'd just make this like direct uh motion up and then how she was so scared because she saw someone looking in the windows and it was and then she like realized it was Santa Claus and she like ran back to her bed to go to go back to sleep oh, wow. because she couldn't because she couldn't be up with, um, you know, Santa Claus wouldn't come if she's not sleeping. So right. she she would just tell it so convincingly that as a kid, I was like, well, my grandma has seen Santa Claus. So clearly Santa Claus is real. And I held on to that for a while. So that's it's my little Christmas Eve anecdote cool that's a great story thank you very much for that (laughs) all right and anyone who wants to find me you can do it very simply just do a search for a movie rob minute you can find me on my website you can find me on twitter or you can find me on facebook if you want to get in touch with andrea just get in touch with me and i'll pass it on to her since uh, she doesn't have her own uh, uh, website or podcast so until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay.